0: But I up working with the Seattle Seahawks, the Green Bay Packers, and teams like that. I never could have gotten there by being an assistant coach or coaching in high school or coaching in college. My chances would have been zero. But teaching about how the thought processes work, being a neck-up coach, that's stuff they're really interested in, and they're not really versed in it. it. It took me to places I never would have gotten if I hadn't focused.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Total Michigan, where we interview... Ordinary Michiganders doing some pretty extraordinary things. I'm your host, Cliff Duvenois. If you've been listening to the show for any length of time, one of the things that I absolutely love to do is t- is talk to these people that seemingly come from nowhere, different socioeconomic backgrounds, and yet they're going out there and they're achieving their version of success. And I was thrilled to actually come across somebody in the state of Michigan who. Not only would he be a high performer himself, but has actually worked with world-class high performers. And we'll delve into that when we get into his story. But ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show today's guest, Dr. Don Steele from the Performance Learning Center. Don, how are you? I'm good. Thank you. Excellent. Why don't you tell us a little bit about where you're from and where you grew up? I grew up here in Saginaw and then left. I was superintendent of
0: schools in Saginaw, then went to Toledo, Ohio superintendent, then on to Seattle. And after Seattle, I started my own business. I lived in Huntington Beach, California, then Las Vegas, Nevada, and then Scottsdale, Arizona. I just came back about three years ago. Thomas Wolfe released a book in 1940 that says you can never go home again. Uh, But I did come back home, and I found (laughs) it to be really uh, good. I met old friends, new friends, and we started doing things in this area that I think is a contribution to the community and satisfying to me. So I really, really enjoyed it. I truly believe that um, if you don't know where you came from and don't appreciate that, you're never going to get where you really want to go. That is true. So it brought me back to
1: my roots, so to speak. So let's talk a little bit about your educational background, because you've obviously got a PhD. So talk to us. what did you get your bachelor's in? Bachelor's is in psychology. Okay. And your master's?
0: Uh, Psychology.
1: And your PhD? And philosophy. Psychology
0: and education were the two areas.
1: Now, why did you decide to get into psychology? You know,
0: uh, long story, but I got in a fight in high school. Actually, yeah, my freshman year and broke a guy's teeth. And so I had to either go to juvenile because his parents really came after me uh, or uh, I could go to a psychologist. So I went to this psychologist. He told me so many things about myself. I I thought he had talked to my parents. So when I went home, I said, why'd you tell them all this stuff? And they said, we don't know who you went to. You know? <laughs> so I thought, you know, I called him up and I said, who do I have to get in a fight with again to see you? I don't have any money, you know? And he said, no, come on in. <laughs> so he became kind of a mentor to me. And I thought, that's great to know how the mind works and how people think. Yes. What a what a wonderful thing to go after. So that's what drove me.
1: Now, during this time, too, as you're going into psychology and you've gotten your, your PhD, so... Why did you decide to take that and now go into public education?
0: Well, I was teaching uh, in Saginaw. I'd come off the road and I was teaching. I started as a traveling phys ed teacher. And it was simply when I came off the road, I had to have something to do. And I was always getting ready to leave. You know, I, I liked teaching, but I was thinking about doing my own thing. And then right. they give, give me a promotion. Nine years after I... Started teaching traveling phys ed, actually, seven years, I think. I became superintendent of schools in Saginaw, which was a surprise to all of my friends, my parents, and everybody else. You know, being the moral intellectual leader of our youth wasn't what they projected <laughs> for me.
1: <laughs>
0: so then, I, then I, I was, after I was superintendent in Saginaw, that went well, and I went to Toledo, Ohio, and then to Seattle. So I, I followed that path a lot longer than I intended to. Finally, in 1987, I decided to go out on my own. I always tell that I bought a desk and credenza, set up my own office in my house. It took me six months to make my first sale, and that's when I sold my desk and credenza. <laughs> I didn't have any business. So I called the Pacific Institute. Lou and Diane Tice had started that, that business. And I had spoken to them quite often when I was superintendent. I'd go and talk to their staff and stuff. Lou Tice offered me a job, and I said, I really don't want to work for anybody. I, I want to be in business for myself but not by myself. So if I can have an office where you are, I'll market your products or whatever you want me to do. But I would like to have my own business. He said, "Okay." So I I did that, and then became vice president of Pacific Institute for a period of time. And then started my own company. There's a there's so much here we've got to unpack. What is the Pacific Institute? The Pacific Institute was started fifty some years ago by Lou Tice. Uh, it's in the personal empowerment business and how thought processes work and stuff. It was pretty. Pretty basic at that time. Through the years, we've gathered a lot more information. I work with what's called the Pacific Institute Community now, which is a spin off started by John McNeil and including uh, Denise Mills. And we have about uh, over 100 companies that are involved with us. But it's a research organization, a teaching organization, speaking organization, all around the thought processes of high performance people, how the mind works to affect. Thought, you know, your your behavior, your emotions, uh, your success, you know that kind of stuff. So, it's been it's led us into working with people all over the world, very 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 different domains. I mean, politics and criminology and Microsoft and Ford Motor Company. I mean, big time clients, and also small entrepreneurial businesses and individuals who. I want counseling for one reason or another. I worked with some of the movie stars and athletes and people like that that are always trying to learn. I find that the highest performing people always want to learn more. People that are struggling are more reluctant to invest in education, psychological education particularly, about how they think. And it's so important. Research recently says 95% of what we do is subconsciously controlled that we really, the decisions we make, the actions we take, the emotions we feel, are pretty much driven by that subconscious picture. We take in information from our senses. We associate that with a subconscious picture that we have, our habits, attitudes, beliefs, and expectations. Then we evaluate, is this moving us towards something good or bad? And then we decide. That all happens in a millisecond, but it's a little process that happens very quickly. We all think in exactly the same way. We don't hold the same thoughts. But that's the way we think. Whether it's negative or positive is up to us, whether it's good for us or not. So it's true for a high performer, and it's also true for a person who's addicted. We used to think that the prefrontal lobe of the cortex controlled our planning and our thinking. Right. And it, it's very important. It distinguishes from chimpanzees and those related most closely to the human beings. But it really is our subconscious that, that controls stuff. So my lifetime has been spent helping people reframe their subconscious change the attitudes, beliefs, attitudes, expectations that they have to help them move out of
1: the rut they're in or whatever and, and move forward more effectively. So to go back and just to draw a parallel, what you're talking about here, because I love this topic, Hell it's something do. that's near and dear to my heart, your musician side, and you were talking before about winning this, this contract to be able to tour the U.S., but even since then... You've actually gone on to play with world-class musicians. Oh, yeah. I did an album behind you. You can see the,
0: the albums with Willie Nelson. He's 90 years old, still traveling, playing three, four nights a week. He's a study in how to live, how doing what you love to do most of the time gives you longevity. He's had a few health challenges along the way, but he's, he's going strong at 90. Tammy Winnett, she's the number two singer of all time in country music, did a wonderful album with her. I'd use that to, with Tammy Winnett, we gave all the money to the Seattle School Scholarship Fund, and it raised tons of money, half a million dollars in a short period of time. They're still giving scholarships after all these years in the Seattle School District based on that money that was raised and the interest it generates. Nice. Then with Willie Nelson, we dedicated that money to the Catholic
1: Charities Organization for Street Kids. Now, what I find interesting about this is that you're, you're playing with these world-class performers. Now you've gotten yourself involved with a business that helps people to unlock mm-hmm. that potential. Right. Now, was that something that was just by design? Is that something that you kind of stumbled into it's by design. Release unleashing your potential
0: it started way back in the Institute days. And then I did some work a couple of years with Albert Bandura, Dr. Bandura out of Stanford, who is the founder of, uh, the, uh, the father of self efficacy research. Self efficacy being the belief that you can make good things happen no matter what the circumstance is and that it, change comes from me and not from the outside world. Uh, the outside world can control some things, but most is controlled by the way I think about things. Wonderful guy. He died at 96 about a year ago. But he was very, very helpful with me in, in teaching others how to build a belief that they can achieve athletic performance, get through a divorce, handle the death in the family. I'm on the suicide board here in Saginaw. The album I did a couple of years ago was for the Mustard Seed Shelter for Homeless Women and Their Children, a wonderful organization in Saginaw. Amy Bartels Road does a killer job of bringing people in. It's Sister Leona, who started it. Amy's been when she was 15 or 16, she was working there as a volunteer and ended up for the last 20 years running it. Barb Smith from the Suicide Board here in Saginaw does a great job. Their whole organization does, the board and the people that work in it. So, I found Saginaw to be a community that's very alive with people are helping other people. I like music. I want to contribute to helping other people, like many others are doing already. So it's been it's been coming home. It's been a really a really good good experience for me.
1: For our audience, we're going to take a quick break and thank our sponsors. When we come back, we're going to dive a lot more into this unlocking potential that we've been discussing. We'll see you after the break. Are you enjoying these amazing stories? Michigan is full of people that are doing some pretty extraordinary things. If you want these amazing stories sent directly to your inbox, head over to TotalMichigan.com, enter your email address, and get them today. What are you going to get? I'm glad you asked. First, you're going to join our awesome Michigan community. Second, you will get an email that includes the top five interviews from the show sent directly to your inbox. Third, you're going to get exclusive behind the scenes information about the show. There's a lot of things that are happening to grow this movement beyond the confines of just a radio show and a podcast. You'll get advance notice of upcoming guests and early access to their interviews. Now to get all these goodies, just head over to TotalMichigan.com slash join. Enter your email address and join our awesome community today. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Total Michigan, where we interview ordinary people doing extraordinary things. I'm your host, Cliff DuVenois. Today, we're actually dissecting how ordinary people can do some extraordinary things and as I said before, if you've listened to the show for any length of time, I've had guests on here like Terry DePieren, uh, as well as John Hall, people who seemingly had very different backgrounds, come from very different situations that have achieved a high level of success. And you can definitely listen to those interviews down in the links in the show notes down below. But why I picked out those two is because Dr. Steele here has actually written books about both of these people that are from Michigan. Don, let's take a step back here. Why write books like this? It
0: was what I had no plan on moving back to Saginaw and I was doing a consulting contract with Shepler family that runs the Shepler Mackinac Island ferry boats. And it was on succession planning. And that wasn't really my emphasis in anything I did, but a friend of mine, Pat Doyle said, he introduced me to Bill and Chris Shepler and said, you know, they're struggling with how to manage the dynamics of Bill stepping out, and Chris taking over. So I went in, worked with them for about a year. At the end of the year, I was so impressed with what they had done 70 some years in business, fighting weather, politics, competition, and surviving. So it was really a story of surviving and advancing. At the end, I said to Bill Schepler or Chris, I can't remember which one, I said, you should write a book about this. And, uh, Chris said, I can't write the book, but you could. And so I wrote the book. That brought me back here to spend considerable time. The book sold really well, primarily because they have good traffic going across uh, every summer, about 9,000 people. So that book led to uh, Kim Norris called me, and she said, would you like to write a book about my dad? I read the one about the Schepler family, and I'd like to write one about my dad. So I said, who's your dad? And she said, John Hall. I went to school with John. And John's the founder of Glass Tender. And he was the James Dean of our class. Uh, You know, he wasn't into sports. He wasn't into music. He was really good at art. I didn't know at the time, but very good at art. And he was always working on cars and bikes. He had a bicycle with a steering wheel on it. How how do you do that, you know? And he had a car, and he was sanding a car, and he bought a car when he was like 13. He couldn't drive it up, up and down the driveway. I wrote his book, and then another daughter, Tammy Bernier, I was having lunch with her. I'd given a speech to the Women in Leadership group, and she said, my dad's sitting right over there. She said he'd make a good story, so that led to Terry Dupairn's story. And then the It Factor book is the one I'm writing right now. That's one chapter about people, each individual that we think has others assess them as having it, whatever it is. They can sing well, they're really good in business or whatever. We, we balance off how? Why are they called it? Is it because of the po- positivity of mindset? Is it because of the engagement that they have with people, the connectedness? Is it because of rela- relationships that they have? Is it because of achievement? And then each person we interview that, and we interview people that know them, will rate them in those areas and say, well, this person's really high in engagement or super in achievement. They've,
1: they've got a signature achievement that's pretty amazing. This gives you almost a front row seat to figure out how these people achieved what they did in their life. And I say that because having them on the show, all of them came from very modest means. Nobody was born with a $10 million sitting in a checking account for them to just randomly go on. literally starting with nothing, but yet being able to build something. So you were mentioning before about writing this book about the it factor. Is that where that came from?
0: Yeah, it came from there. All of the books that I've written, it really come from the fact that as human beings, we have a teleological nature. What that means is we're at our best when we have a clear goal or a clear problem. Now, Terry had this dream, you know, of becoming an a, inventor, an inventor, even though he couldn't read and write. But that dream, that's teleological. He was drawn to that dream. And we have what we call the reticular activating system. That When you have a goal or a dream, that allows, it filters out information that's critically important to you or a value to you or, or a threat. Simply stay walking down the street sidewalk with your wife or whatever. You're oblivious to traffic, but as soon as you turn to go across the street, that reticular kicks in. Right. Mom and dad sleeping in bed and uh, baby coughs or cries, mom's up taking care of the baby. Why didn't dad get it? Well, he he knew she would. You can turn it on or turn it off. The thought process that they share, many of them are very, very, they're they're
1: oriented early on to what they really want to do. So then let me ask you this question, because I've had so many people on the show, and so many of them have achieved their level of success. You were talking before about how they had a very clear picture in mind. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking about two recent guests that I had uh, on the show, Kathy Howell, as well as Deborah Tacoma. Neither one of them had a very clear image in their mind. Like when, when Kathy was wanting to start the Wicked Sister, her restaurant, or when Deborah was uh, creating um, the Freedom Wand, they didn't have a clear picture in their mind of what success would be, but they achieved it anyway. So they felt that pull forward to keep moving and to achieve something. And then when they finally arrived at their destination, they're like, wow, this is pretty cool. Is there some kind of a correlation between the amount of success somebody can achieve in relation to how clearly they see their goal or outcome, or is that even a factor?
0: Yeah, I think the end result drives. You know, you talked about the lady who invented the... uh, The Freedom Wand. The Freedom Wand. She said, if this is good for me, my goodness. She had this picture, this thought... Other people could use this, and it's terrible for me to just use it by myself. Usually, there's a generative something that goes in, in, into play that this could help other people. That's that's a living example of once once it becomes clear. You know, like Terry thought about being a, an entrepreneur. I mean, an inventor when he was in third grade. That's not normal. It's 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 more natural to think of it when you're doing something and all of a sudden you see this opportunity arise. Right. For me, when I was coached by that psychologist, I mean, I hadn't thought about that at all. But all of a sudden, I wanted to know how people tick. You know, what makes them tick and uh, how can you be... I used it at the time in sports, mostly. But my mother always bought the uh, World Book Encyclopedias. Yeah, oh, yeah. There's several book series that she bought, but yes. they're all... They're all, you know, Aristotle and Socrates and all these things. So I was reading that stuff when I was really young, about the same time that I was meeting with a psychologist. So the seed was planted that there's a lot we can know about ourselves and about others if we study what's out there, what the scientists are finding and the researchers are finding. I just decided that I wanted to dedicate my life really to helping others as well as myself um, achieve higher levels of performance. But I end up working with the Seattle Seahawks, the Green Bay Packers, and teams like that. I never could have gotten there by being an assistant coach or coaching in high school or coaching in college. My chances would have been zero. But teaching about how the thought processes work, being a neck-up coach, and that's the way I describe it to them, kind of the coach of the coaches, that's stuff they're really interested in. And they're not really versed in that. They know the X's and O's, but they don't know the thought processes. Some do. Pete Carroll's really deep in it, and so are some others now, but... It, it took me to places I never would have gotten if I hadn't focused, and I'm encouraging others to find something. People who retire, they flatten out so often. They just flatten out because they lose their purpose. Uh-huh. A husband and a wife have been married 40 years. One dies, the other one dies within a year. You know, they, they lose that purpose in life. And we're teleological. We need a purpose. We need a problem. So whenever I have a problem, I say, thank God, uh, the only place where there are no
1: problems is a graveyard. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they have no problems. So before we get to the graveyard, <laughs> yeah, let me ask you this. You made this comment earlier, and I loved it when you talk about being a coach from the neck up. So I know there's probably a lot of people that are listening to this and they're thinking they want to do something. But maybe they feel like they're holding back, or they're they're always sitting there. Saying, you know, why is it every time that I start, I face a certain level of resistance or whatever it is? What would be like one key piece of advice that you would give people that could really help them to turn on that internal performer that everybody has? Get help. <laughs> no, I mean talk. Now, do you mean when you say get help
0: what does that mean talk to talk to a psychologist talk to a coach talk to somebody that you have faith in that you know that they have their interest your interest in mind because when we're on our own we drift we either live a life of drift or a life of design and the coaching that i do is all about shifting from drift to design shifting from purposelessness to purpose teleological versus yes. uh, a drift and so They'll be surprised when I say I worked with Sylvester Stallone. People say, "Well, then you're too expensive to work with me." It, it, money's not all—not what it's about for me. If a person needs help, like the Mustard Seed Shelter, I mean, people like that I just love. And and I, most most people that are in this profession of helping people, it's not the money. It's nice to make money. It makes life easier. But money's just a lubricant that allows you to slide through life with less friction. But it doesn't solve problems. If you look right. at some of the problems, the wealthy have. It's just a different set.
1: And so with that being said, if somebody is listening to this, because I know before you said that, you know, you have online courses and stuff, where could people find those resources? Well, they can call here
0: and, and we'll set them on a good path. The Pacific Institute community is a great resource. Like when the Achieving Balanced Well-Being program was put together by the Pacific Institute community and I was engaged in. That program is uh, designed as a self-paced learning program where you don't have to, you can watch it all on your phone or you can watch it on TV, but there's follow-up programs where a group of people will be on every Friday, where a group of people will be on and they'll talk about concepts like the reticular activating system or comfort zones or self-efficacy and they'll all talk and there'll be 40, 50 people on the phone call. And they can join those things. And, and investing in the achieving balanced well-being is not a big cost. You know, we made it available at a very reasonable cost. Businesses pay like three ninety-nine, but we can do individuals as low as ninety-nine dollars for the whole program. It's a marvel. It's a well-done, well-put-together program. It was done during COVID because people were isolated on their own and weren't having a very balanced life. Now, we're still using it, but we're going to re. We're going to do a new new version. Pretty quickly, because the COVID thing has past us now. But at least hopefully it is. Certainly. Yeah, so uh, we're going to work on... We love sharing this information, and we're not trying to sell it to just to General Motors and Chrysler. We want to make it available to educators. In schools, and I was in school business for a long time, we spend a lot of time teaching people what to think, but we don't teach them how to think. And, and that's critical. I, I thought 25 years ago... That I'd probably be out of this business because the schools would be teaching it. It's not genius, you know. You can learn it, you can teach it, and but they don't. It's still brand new. When you go out and talk to people, it's brand new information because they just don't get. It. I'm teaching all at Saginaw Valley State University. I'm teaching graduating seniors, and it's the first time they've had this kind of stuff in almost all cases. Every now and then they've they've, they've been exposed to it somewhere, but not not most of. The time. The athletes really gravitate to my class because they're music people. People are in the performing arts. Uh, But just the regular people, how do you do an interview? Visualize yourself being successful. uh, See yourself shaking hands with the person afterwards and offering you a job. It's it's so much better than our normal thought. We have a negative bias built into us. Uh, If your boss says, I want to talk to you today, it's why
1: (laughs) Why? What did I do wrong?: Yeah,
0: it's always. What did I do wrong? And even if the boss says, "You know, I think you're really doing a good job, but the really good job just goes. And what's the but about? So I, I explained to people that that's, that's we have to control our own minds, our own thoughts, or our own thoughts, control us. It's much better to control your thoughts and be controlled by your thoughts.
1: Don, thank you so much for taking time to be on the show today. We really appreciate it. And for our audience, you can always roll on over to TotalMichigan.com, click on Don's interview, and uh, get the aforementioned links that he mentioned before. We'll see you next time when we talk to another Michigander doing some pretty extraordinary things. We'll see you then.